Welcome to the second season of Talking Mental Health with Selectability. Very small local organisations with deep roots in the local community. We still needed those deep local roots, but we also needed to be stronger and bigger organisations to be able to cope with these massive changes. As our service really grew, it made sense that if we merge, we could have a better footprint everywhere. And I'm very excited to see that that actually happened over the years, and it's a wonderful outcome. What we've had from Solus right through is um, fantastic CEOs. And I think um, what they brought, all of them, was a very careful eye on Trent and in particular where our strength has been, we have a number of strengths, but our strength has been in anticipation of the um, NDIA, the NDIS framework. Just to see changes, I've still actually got people I actually was a support worker for back in Solar's days and now I've still got them while I'm a team leader and just the changes, the milestones, I actually find they're probably all my highlights. I love watching people grow, I love watching people achieve. Might be only a small little achievement, but I actually find they are major highlights of my career. My favourite name, and I was really keen on it, was Be Well. You know, and the logo we were thinking would be a little buzzy bee buzzing around, and I yeah. could picture answering the phone. You know, Be Well, Deborah speaking. And then when we did a search, there was one small organisation in Victoria that had it registered. And I was like, oh, bugger, back to the drawing board. This podcast celebrates five years as Selectability, an organisation formed in March 2017, when supported options in lifestyle access services, better known as Solus, and Mental Illness Fellowship of North Queensland, or MIFNQ, merged. Across five short podcasts, we'll hear from five people close to the organisation and learn how, from humble beginnings, and a combined 52 years of service delivery, Selectability has grown to become the strong and innovative industry leader it is today. Deborah Burden has just marked her fifth anniversary with Selectability. Now, Deborah, you would have known from the start you'd be taking on a huge task as CEO of Selectability. What attracted you to the role and the organisation? Jason, it was a really interesting time. I was looking for a challenge back in Townsville For the five years previously, I had the wonderful role of general manager of Cane Growers Burdekin. I was travelling backwards and forwards from Townsville to the Burdekin every day and I was worried about the road. So I thought it's time to look for a new role. But I can tell you when this position was advertised, I thought, wow, here's an opportunity to make a real difference. And that's what really attracted me. Um, We had as a family been through with one of our family members um, a period, a couple of years of really challenging um, mental health challenges for one of our family members. And for me, as somebody who'd never had any experience in this space, I just thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be something better. So that really encouraged me that this was an opportunity to make a real difference. You were there from the very beginning of selectability. So can you talk us through the challenges and also the opportunities? Oh, yeah. Well, in actual fact, um, when I first joined, it wasn't selectability, it was solace. Um, and I walked in the door thinking that the merger would be just about done and we could focus on the NDIS and, you know, everything would be pretty straightforward, really. And I was really quite surprised to really understand that the merger had pretty much stalled. Um, And I know from um, my previous commercial role with 1300 Smiles that, you know, if you've got a deal on the table, 
you close the deal or you lose it. So yeah. I was pretty keen to get the merger happening and finished pretty quickly, and we did that in four weeks. So I think I joined at the end of February, and by the end of March, was done. wasn't pretty. You wouldn't write any case study about it, but <laughs> the merger was complete. One of the big challenges we had was that the merger agreement was that MIFNQ would merge with Solus, and then Solus would rebrand as like the new organisation, but as a new name within three months. Well, I can tell you, finding a new name is not easy. <laughs> not easy. A new name that hasn't already been taken and that suits the organisation. And I can't tell you the number of weekends we spent going through. We had three international searches looking for it to provide a name and a logo. And in the end, it was um, myself and one of the other team members at the time we came up with selectability and that's what we stuck with. And I think we've done pretty well in five years to have selectability go from nothing to being pretty well known in the mental health space. Can you remember, just out of interest, what other names um, were being thrown around at the time? Yeah, yeah, Jason. My favourite name, and I was really keen on it, was Be Well. And the logo we were thinking would be a little buzzy bee buzzing around and I could picture answering the phone, you know, be well, Deborah speaking. And then when we did a search, there was one small organisation in Victoria that had it registered and I was like, oh, bugger, Uh, back to the drawing board. Now, in your five years in the role, what are some of the changes you've observed in the sector in general and across the organisation? If I think back to when I first started, you know, I came in and Selectability operates, even though we're a not-for-profit charity, we do operate in a very commercial space. And we operate with a commercial mentality and we don't back away from that Mm. because very clearly you have to be financially viable to be able to provide the services that the people that rely on us need. And for me, if I think back to, you know, those first couple of months in the role, we were going through the, not only were we doing the merger, but we were transitioning across the NDIS at the same time, which is, you know, a major change for any organisation. And I remember sitting at a table with other general managers and I with other CEOs here in Townsville, and I was talking about margins and restructure and pricing. And some of the managers were looking at me like I had two heads. Yeah. And one of the managers actually said to me, you know, Deborah, you need to understand that's not how we do things in this sector. And I thought, oh, I thought financial viability was important for everyone. It was interesting for me and probably a bit sad that within a two-year period, every one of those CEOs that were sitting around that table was no longer in that role. And some of their organisations were no longer the same organisation as well. That was a major change. And I think going from the old world of block funding across to NDIS was a major change for many organisations. It was even more difficult for us because we were going through a merger at the same time. Maybe it was not necessarily more difficult. Maybe it was the fact that we were going through so much change that maybe we took the conversion to NDIS um, in our stride. Well, selectability is known for taking risks for the benefit of the consumers and communities you serve. Are there any that have kept you awake at night? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, The biggest risk that we took was selectability purchasing the building in Kent Street, which is a First Nations group home. The reason I say that as a risk was that selectability had never provided accommodation, residential services previously. Um, This was an organisation that had completely failed. It had been in administration and then gone into liquidation. And we as Selectability went, that service is so important for our First Nations people, we can't let that service be lost. So I put a proposal to the board and I said to the board, if we can make this work, 
this residential accommodation facility, we can make any accommodation work. Mm. And I can tell you the first two months that we had um, that property, we, we had the property valued. We put the um, the offer to the liquidator as here's the valuation, that's what we'll pay for that property and that was what was accepted. The first two months, our work health and safety incidents spiked unbelievably. But, you know, it was really to the sheer dedication and willpower of Aaron Farrell who basically was at that property day and night, bringing it up to the standard that it needed to be at, bringing it into compliance, ensuring that from a work health and safety aspect it was running safely. That has resulted in that service being at the high standard it is now and gave us as an organisation absolute confidence to go on to deliver accommodation facility services, which we do right across our footprint. Are there any standout stories or moments that, when you hear them, remind you of what an important role the organisation plays across regional Queensland? Oh, many, many. You know, um, I was in Cairns last week. We've got a, a young consumer there. I'll just call her A. You know, when A first came to us, she was very much in a dark place, very, very difficult, probably one of the most complex young people and now when you see her it's just an absolute delight I have to be reminded that it's the same person and this young person you know some people question the amount of money that the federal government's pouring into the NDIS but to see a young person that was in the position that she was in to now be looking for work that's the value of the NDIS a little while ago we undertook a focus group for our clubhouse this was particularly our horizon clubhouse in Mackay and the external facilitator said, I couldn't believe it, said, a person came in and they said, I'm no longer with Clubhouse because I've moved back in on with my life, but I wanted to come in and tell you that without Clubhouse, I would not be here today. I would be dead. So there are numerous stories like that. You know, we've got um, Consumer P, I'll, I'll call him, who's just absolutely taken to our new bike shed service. We've lent P a bike, and now somebody said to me, you wouldn't recognise him. He is so fit, so yeah. <laughs> fit. And um, Brett, that's running the bike shed for us, said to P, you know, hey, can you change that tyre for somebody who's just come in off the street? And apparently P changed the tyre so quick that everyone was like, oh, my God. You know, he's found his home, he's found his niche, and that's what we're all about. But, you know, to hear somebody say, without Clubhouse, I would not be here, I would be dead that really makes you realise the importance of the services that we're providing. Yeah, it really does. Well, Deborah, where to for selectability, let's say, over the next five years? Oh, five years. I think that's too far out. I think, you know, if we thought about even the next year, you know, if I think about even the past year, if we go back one year, we've got a new premises in Cairns, we've got a new premises in Mount Isa, we've got a brand new building, a new service in Ingham, um, new service, new building in Air, Bowen, Rockhampton and Longreach. That was just in the past year, so I wouldn't like to try and forecast more than 12 months ahead. But what I will say is that we are absolutely passionate about mental wellbeing and suicide prevention in regional Queensland, and we will go and expand wherever there's a need and wherever we're wanted. Fantastic. Deborah, thanks for your time. Thanks, Jason. Absolute pleasure. Deborah is the current CEO of Selectability. Visit this podcast's show notes to read her profile. Listen to all five on our website, selectability.com.au forward slash podcasts. Listen to more podcasts like this one at selectability.com.au and learn about the many programs and services to improve the mental well-being of regional Queenslanders and contribute to suicide prevention.